This is the 911 Calls Podcast with the operator and his trusty junior assistant, Mr. Luna. Let me help you. Um, I'm down there and, and I just killed two people. Who are they to you? Who are they to me? Uh-huh. No one. Hey. Hey, Luna. Hey, Upper. Hey, have you ever, um, have you ever done anything before where, have you ever done anything before where, like, to this very day you still get shivers thinking about it? Like it, like shudders, like, like it's almost like yeah. a daydream, sort of like nightmare. Like you, like you think it just puts you in a weird space. Uh-huh. Yeah. Immediately something comes to mind. I'm trying to think if I could talk about it though. There, I don't There's a statute of limitations in the States. I don't know if that, that happens in Canada. I'm going to, I'm going to talk about it though. I'm going to tell you. Okay. Yeah. Um, I gotta be careful here. Okay. So in my past, there was a time where we would, um, grow clones for marijuana so you would glow, grow like plants and then you would sell them to somebody so rather than selling weed you would sell like the plants the upstarts <clears throat> and they were feminine so you knew that they were going to yield buds and all that and a friend of mine and I invested in some of these and we sold them in a, in a province named Quebec and this is about a four hour drive out of Ontario so we sold them to this guy and then we were supposed to get a cut on that yield. But he told us that somebody had uh, robbed his crop and we didn't believe him. We thought we were just getting screwed. So he knew where it was, where this was supposed to be grown. It was out in the woods and we drove all the way out there. We park in the woods and we walk through and there's all these booby traps. There's all this barbed wire and it was mainly uh. lots of barbed wire that we were walking through. And we finally come to this place where, where they've all been planted. And it, lo and behold, all the weeds there. Just plants. This is back when marijuana was illegal out here. There's just plants, plants everywhere. Wow. So we're, we hear, I remember hearing uh, wolves howling. I'm not sure if they're coyotes or what. We're, we're talking to each other. <laughs> Man, we're getting eaten by wolves or coyotes. And we're chopping them down and... We fill plenty of garbage bags full of uh, full of weed, and we rob a pot crop for like a biker gang. So this is why I'm a little bit nervous right now. But I, th- <laughs> I think everything- you did it for a biker gang for the biker no gang? against or from from. Oh crap! Yeah, I know. <laughs> but th- 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 this has been disbanded. This this guy that we're t- talking about right here was was um, doing this outside of it. He, he he's he's a. He's a POS. I know you don't like to swear in this podcast. He was a POS. We, we knew that he was trying to rip us off. So we're going to go rip him off. So we do. So coming to the point about the shivers. So we spend all night in this place and we go out and we do this thing. And uh, we're driving out and we drive past the church. And the minister opens up the front door and he runs to the front. And he stands there with his hands on his hips as, we, as, as we're driving away. And we're both looking at our rear like, what is that guy doing? And then he points at us as we're driving oh. away. And we just 
full full shivers. I don't understand why he did it to this day. We didn't do anything wrong that he knew about, but he somehow knew we shouldn't have been there. It was about six in the morning. He was opening up the church, and he knew we were up to no good somehow. We were in a Monte Carlo, oh. and um, man, I remember I remember on the radio it was "Get the Money and Run," the the song. Ooh, <laughs> oh, get the money and run. Oh, so yeah. that anytime that yeah. song comes on, I get chills and. Anytime I see a biker, I get terrified, and I look out my window every day thinking about that. Wow. And anytime a priest or pastor points at you, you... Never have since. Never have before. <laughs> what was he doing running down, pointing at us like that? It was very strange. Uh, is it possible that, that you took his pot crop? <laughs> Maybe he was connected to it, yeah. It was hanging out the back a little bit. Weren't being super careful. Interesting. Your story and um, mine both have to do with crops. Wow. So mine is, I, for several seasons, I was, there was, there's a, there's a giant corn maze in town and people come and they pay a ticket, you know, and there's like events and fun stuff for your kids to do and stuff. And then there's a giant corn maze that's carved into this cornfield and they use GPS satellites to draw the corn maze picture. So from the air, mm. from the air, like you know, it'll be like a sports team's logo or you know, a picture of something. You or know, crop anyway, or crop circles. That would probably be the most interesting one. Yet seems played out, but nobody's done it in thousands of years. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so this corn maze would hire me to come and um, and do photography and uh, drone camera work. So at their like big their big nights, like they had fireworks one, you know, or or like they had a candy cannon and it's on the back of this giant tractor trailer and it aims in the air and just blows candy into the air all over the kids and all over everybody, right? Wow. And showering candy, it's raining candy. Loads of all it. this Hold on, I'm getting Hold on, getting a phone call. Hey, can, can you hear me? Yeah, I'm recording. Okay, bye. So, candy's raining down on the kids and all the events and stuff. And so they they always they, they did very well with marketing. So they would hire me, and I would I would do like all the photography and videography of the place while the people were there milling about, fresh fresh imagery every year, whatnot. And um, and this one year they had the like state. You know, there's always like every state, like Miss California and Mrs. California. And the only difference is like Mrs. California was married at one point or over a certain age, you know. Sure. So they had the state's Mrs. Beauty pageant lady there and her husband was there and it was like part of the parade. And she's all like dressed in this like big giant princess gown. And her daughter, who was like three was there in this huge princess gown, just like this big giant uh, hula hoop kind of gown, this very big. And um, at one point I brought the drone out of the air and I control it off off 
camera, like there's a camera on my controller, right? So I can see where I'm going and everything. And I bring it down and the camera comes out of the sky and then like comes right above the ground and is looking right at this cute little girl. It's just this amazing shot, right? And there's this this little tiny girl princess looking at the drone. Drones, you know, whirring away. And it's just hovering there like two feet above the air. And then she walks toward it. She walks toward my drone. And I'm like, oh, and I totally froze because I don't know if you've ever flown a drone, but um, you have to be cognizant of like which way is forward and which way is backward, depending on on the position of where you're standing in front of the drone. Because if you're on the wrong side of the drone, everything is reversed, right? So she starts going toward the drone and she's three. She doesn't know any better. She doesn't know there's like, you know, eight blades, you know, that could lacerate her, you know, right inches from her face. And so I panic a little and I like, I, I, I hit the, I hit the, the toggle on the controller to try to just get it out of the way, but it ducked. It made the drone like duck, kind of like wobble at an angle. And the, and, uh, one of the propellers caught her dress and it was like, and it starts, it starts like, you know, everyone's free i'm freaking out the dad like has these like spider-man like reflexes runs over and just kicks my drone like oh. you know three thousand dollar drone just boots it across i'm like in my head i'm like totally would have done the same thing i yeah. you know like that's dad reflexes all over the place yeah but uh, like he boots my drone she's fine it just like you know nicked her dress right but ever since then like I can't I can't shake that I can't shake that like I almost killed <sighs> Miss I- Mrs. Idaho's <laughs> child <laughs> that's a messed with up the story drone. How, how did you top my story I don't know how you did it but you did it here's what's here's what's crazy is like I it shook me so bad like I packed my drone up I told the owner so I was like I gotta go and they're like yeah <laughs> that's fine you go. And so I went and I was just like, I had to like walk it off. So I went to like this sporting goods store and I'm walking around and guess what? I totally like take the corner right into dad, oh. dad and princess daughter. They're both at the sporting goods. And I, I just said, man, I'm really sorry about your kid. I was just, <laughs> I don't know what happened. That's crazy. And he was like, he was like, it's like it is fine. Yeah, don't worry about it. But ever since, like in my head, I can't, I can't shake it. It like makes, it gives me, sh- I shudder every time I think about what could have happened. You know? Yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's a wild story. Imagine though. Imagine you had to dip that right <sighs> no, into right? her face. Yeah, good, good dad reflexes on his part, man. That's like kicking a chihuahua. I was walking with my kid the other day, and a little dog came up, and I'm in my head, I'm like, it's, it's little, it's, it's it poses no threat. But it ran right, right up and it jumps. And bam! My mm. foot comes out. I wasn't even thinking. Just ah, bam! And then they're, they're, they're like yelling at me. This is actually about a year ago. I can't say it was recently. But um, yeah, man. Good for him. And poor. <laughs> they should hire a guy with, with better skills, I guess, next. Uh, did you ever do it again? I didn't do the drone work after that. <laughs> they, they they asked. They were like, "Hey, do you want to come back?" And I'm like, "Nah, I think nah. I'm retiring." Nah. You know what you can't do yeah. on your resume going forward is say what? works works well under pressure, <laughs> or works well with kids. <laughs> <laughs> 
most improved didn't kill that one. You know, I don't know how that goes. It's weird. Yeah. Oh, man. You got a call, though? Yeah. So I was thinking about that when I was doing the research for this call because I wonder how many people are like sitting in their prison cell constantly reminded of like some monstrous thing they've done and there's nothing they can do about it. It's done, you know? Yeah. Just baked like they baked their life with the thing that they did in one like split moment, and and it's one of those things. If if that person has confessed, it's one thing. But could you imagine being in a prison cell, having to constantly think about what you've done and still not confess to it? I gotta believe that would like be so corrosive oh. to your soul. Oh, definitely corrosive to your soul. You're like the only one that knows, you know? Yeah, what you did. Yeah, I, that's that's oh. a good point you bring up there. I think about that quite a bit offhandedly I guess as well I, I really in a way I'm almost envious of the guys who have come to terms with what they've done and now they get to spend the rest of their lives in a quiet environment with no kids <laughs> I guess because they got two kids <laughs> but like there's some trade-offs <laughs> yeah, you're just kind of respected and there for what you did and you're a hardened criminal and now you're just working on your mental health and like your spiritual well-being and uh, you you are you are being a good influence on everybody around you. I I don't feel envy for those guys. I guess so much as like I I respect the the path that they've taken. But the ones that you say are the only ones who know. Definitely corrosive to yeah. the soul, and, and it almost makes you believe that they don't have a soul. And some would say you know it's just a sociopath or a psychopath. Um, but man. To live out the rest of your life being the only one who knows it and taking it to your grave even and spending all your days just living this lie in such a terrible environment. Incredible. It'd be hard. The, the, the thing that I think about often is like, uh, if you could give those prisoners a questionnaire and be like, hey, you do realize, you know, you're, if you're not, if you haven't confessed to what you've done, you're already in prison. The likelihood that things could get much worse for you because you said, all right, man, I did it. Here's where the body's at. You know, the likelihood that things could get worse for you, not likely, not too likely. Right. You right. know? But the reason reason why that those guys hold on to it is because they enjoy holding on to it because it's theirs, in my opinion. Yeah, it's a uh, game. And you've even heard guys say that. Like, Ted Bundy took a bunch to, to his grave. I think he maybe lied about a few too, but... Other than him, there are guys yeah. who truly feel like these are their possessions and I'm keeping a few for myself and they vibe off of it and they relive it and they're purely, they're truly yeah. evil. Yeah, it's an ego thing, pride and mm-hmm. and psychosis, right? All that. Mm-hmm. Oh man, well, I've got a call here where it seems as though this guy might be in that boat kind of having committed a crime that he probably to this day can't get his head around. So, um, you ready for me to uh, to hit play on this? I am. Here we go. Sunday, 1, 7, 2007, at 0, 7, 0, 3. How can I help you? Um, I'm Dylan Peterson, and I just killed two people. Who did you kill? Uh... Matthew Nagel and, uh, and, uh, hmm, Mrs. Nagel, I guess. Okay, and where are you at right now? I am at, uh, 21, no, 
2901 North K Street. And how did you kill them? Vancouver with a knife. Are they there too? Um, not anymore. Where are they at? Uh, well, they're, they're here physically, but they're not here, uh, yeah, spiritually. Their, their bodies are there? Yeah. Who are they to you? Who are they to me? Uh-huh. No one. What's your name? I'm Dylan Peterson. Peterson? What's yeah. your first name? Joan? No, Dylan Peterson. Joan, D-O-A-N? What? How do you spell your first name? How do I spell my first name? Dylan. Dylan. And what's your middle initial, Dylan? R. And your date of birth? Come on, I just killed two people. What's your date of birth, Dylan? Come on. Dylan, how old are you? Uh, just, uh, the lights on. Get in here. Okay, where are you at in the house? At the front door. Where's the knife at? Where's the knife at? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Okay, Dylan, tell me where the knife is at. You know where it's at. No. The knife? I'll look for it. No, I don't want you to get it. I want you to tell me where it's at in the house. Um, I... Um, no. I okay, killed well, two people. It's awful. Why did you kill them? Why? Uh-huh. Why? Oh. Do you live there? No. Okay. How did you get into their house? They let me in. Okay. Really? No. Come on. I killed two people. I, under, I understand that, Don. You got that? Yes. I killed two people. I okay. killed them. Why did you kill them? Why? Yes. Because. Because why? Because I was born to. Oh. Vancouver K Street. There's an orange Camaro outside. There's a red neon, you know, somewhere near... Is the Camaro yours? No. 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 Okay. You've got to be kidding me. Okay. What type of I car do you have? Easy. I would have done it sooner. Do you realize that? What type of car do you have, Dylan? a knife. I don't drive. Come okay. on. Give me a break. Where do you live at? Oh, awful. Awful. It's terrible. I call 911 and... There's no cops here. Okay, we're... I give, you, I, I give you the street, the cross street, I give you everything. And and there are two people dead, and it's bloody, and it's gross. Okay, how long ago did you do this? After I knew both of them were dead? No. How long ago did that happen? Are you sure that they're how dead? How long ago? Yes. <laughs> oh, poor Sammy just stopped breathing. Poor Sandy, just stop breathing. Okay. Poor Sandy. Poor Is anybody Sandy. else there with you? No. No, there's not. But there's a ton of blood. Oh, okay. Are God. you still by the front door? Um, no, but the front door is open. 
the front door's open? Yeah. Okay. The dog's outside. Where are you at in the house? By the front door. It's not a big apartment. Okay. <sighs> All right, so in January of 2007 in Vancouver, Washington, this is Dylan Peterson, and he had called 911 to confess to killing two people, as he said, why he was born to. 25-year-old Dylan had met Nick through the culinary arts classes he was taking. Quick aside. That sounds kind of cool, you know, like culinary arts classes and all that, and the frou frou, ooh, culinary. And maybe it was, maybe, because culinary school can be a massive undertaking. I personally, I went to an art institute and got a degree in computer animation in the late 1900s, and they at that school, they they had a culinary arts program (laughs) that was literally. Are you laughing about... What are you laughing about? <laughs> this in the late 1900s. In it's the uh, late 20th century. <laughs> in the late 1900s. <clears throat> All right. Just just before 9-11 happened. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Actually, crazy. I was one mile away from Columbine when it got shot up. I was sitting in my apartment when that happened. Oh. I was at the Colorado Institute of Art when that happened. Yeah, in the late 1900s. Mm. Well, I guess that was early 2000s when that happened, huh? But yeah, it had been there since late the little late 1900s. Anyway. Wow. So they had a culinary arts program there. It was literally pass-fail. Brutal. Brutal program. Anyway, but. But. <sighs> Not as brutal as what we're dealing with here. <laughs> Yeah, I guess this is a little more brutal. But my point was, that, <laughs> that's not the only place that kids can take culinary classes. That There's actually a degree that's often offered at alternative schools as well. For kids that, like, you know, have sort of, they've taken a totally bad turn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, definitely. Um, vocational education, you know. So I, I cannot determine whether or not he was at a frou-frou culinary arts school or a boot camp culinary <laughs> art school no, I, hear I cannot you. confirm in schools I'll say this really quick in schools where I've worked in kids who are problematic they often put them in the yeah. cooking class so they can learn some life skills and they can you know kind of yeah. do something for themselves sure. so I, I kind of exactly. hear where you're going you know what's interesting about that is like those kids oftentimes like if you go back to the 50s 60s 70s 80s those kids are always thrown in vocational education you know what's sad about that is we have a total dearth of vocational education, vocational professionals now. We need more people doing that stuff. You yeah. know, we shouldn't be just putting all the detention kids in there. We, you know, it, we should be glamorizing it and saying, you, sh- "You, hey, hey, smart kids, go into mechanics and you know." Yeah, is that. is that why all the all the chefs seem to have so many tattoos? Could be. I think it's also kind of edgy. Like, it's just a thing. Because if you have tattoos, you're a bad person. Oh, yeah, definitely. That's what I heard. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it's true. Mm. It's true. Yeah. So, back Uh, to this. The kid just killed two. You're like like the 911 (laughs) operator here. He just killed two people. Like, and you're talking about vocational schools. He just killed two people with a knife. All right. Lady. Okay, okay. I'll get back to it. I was setting up the premise that I can't tell you whether or not this kid was like, 
you know, trust fund kid who was going to culinary school or dirtbag kid who was, you know, on the verge of just going into prison for the rest of his life, culinary school. I couldn't, I can't confirm. Gotcha. All right. So anyway, yeah. so Nick had invited Dylan to live with him after Dylan said he was basically homeless, had nowhere to live. So he joined Nick and his father, Eric, and Nick's brother, Matthew, and their last name was Nagel. So their last name was Nagel. So he moved in with Nick Nagel, Eric Nagel, and Nick's brother, Matthew. Mm-hmm. Nick uh, and Eric was the father. Man, that was confusing. Well, I'm going to do that part pause, again. Well, no, don't do it again, man. Your big pause. I was going to say that's almost like it's negligent. Like you're ne- being negligent. Negligent? Yeah. <laughs> and not knowing their okay. actual Nagel is their last name. Okay. All right, fine. We'll, we'll run with it. We'll just let everybody hear that flub. Sure. So at the time of this incident, when this happened, Nick and his father were away from the home. But Matthew, the younger son, was there and... Sandra Torell, who was Eric's ex-wife, so their mom, but they were divorced. Uh, she came to stay with Matthew at the at the uh, at the apartment while they were gone. Um, so he was there. This is really this is complex, but it shouldn't be. I don't know why it's. I'm making it harder than it is. You're fine. The the mother was there with the young child, right? And Dylan was this like kind of floater that had been allowed to stay at the house. I don't know how long he had been there. According to the phone call, it sounds like he doesn't even want to own up to the fact that he was staying there at all. He doesn't even know the mom's name. He's like, uh, uh, what's weird is negligent. He says, Mrs. Nagel, (laughs) Mrs. Negligent. Right. But then he was like, oh, poor Sandy. Remember? Because he was like, poor Sandy just just stopped breathing. breathing. That's creepy. That that gave me chills. Talking Talking about chills. That, that, I know. That, How? Well, when Crazy. were you born? Oh well, uh, just stop breathing. Makes me there. wonder why he why he locked up on that question. Like, I wonder if he thought, like, maybe, oh, if she gets my date of birth, she's gonna know my no, whole history or something. In my opinion, the reason why he locked up on that question is because it was like uh, insignificant, <clears throat> considering like the. <laughs> the, oh, the mayhem she, around he, him, you know? Like, this is what okay. we should be talking about is what happened here rather than when I was born. Who gives a shit about when I was born? I just, yeah, like, what's your favorite color? Yeah, <laughs> this kid's about to, okay. stop, about to stop breathing. I see, I see. Okay, so the motive, crazy thing, the motive for the killing is still unknown. Like, he has not really defined why he did this. When Dylan was arrested, he had a blood alcohol level of 0.21, which is more than two and a half times the legal limit if you were to drive a car. But that still, you know, puts you on some pretty rubbery legs. He was also arrested at that time on cocaine possession charges. So if killing two people wasn't bad enough, he had cocaine on him. So my guess is he probably had consumed some of that as well. But there's actually more to this call. Um... So, are you ready for me to hit play? Yeah, I, just real quick though, I want to say, if you're drinking yeah. a bunch and, and you're doing cocaine, it's kind of like there's no, what's what's it called? Um, I don't know. You know, if, if, you, if you're drinking a bunch and you do some cocaine, it's like you're not drinking it at all. So, oh, it cancels it out? Yeah, yeah. What? I, oh, yeah. Really? Oh, man. I'll show you right now. Uh, hold on, let me... So- <laughs> Just rip a big blow. <laughs> let, my, <laughs> let me change my attitude. 
<laughs> so wait, you're telling me that if you if you I, drink a bunch, how about this? And then do coke, yeah. it offsets each other. Absolutely. I, I could be really? sitting here. I could I could I could drink a whole bunch of whiskey right in front of you right now, and then do one line of coke, and you'll see two completely different. Not that I know. It's just what I heard in school. I went to school for this kind of stuff for addictions <laughs> counseling. I went to school as an addictions counselor. You went I, to school as an addiction oh, to, counselor. Well, I, I went an to school with an counselor. addiction. Yeah, I went to school to become an addicted <laughs> counselor. Yeah. All right. Wow, I did not know that. That's that's a fun fact to know and share. Feels like that should be on like a GI Joe special or something. Like if you do hey cocaine, kids. you can wipe out <laughs> your drunken feelings. GI <laughs> <G>. Joe. <laughs> All right. Hey, I'm gonna. You ready for me to hit yeah, play? Yeah, hit play. I want to hear about these horrible things that are going on here. More so, please. Here we go. Right after this brief commercial break, cause. What? We gotta pay the bills. All right, here we go. Not a big apartment. Sitting outside with blood all over myself. Are you inside or outside right now? I'm outside. I'm uh, I'm in the doorway, talking to you, okay. looking at the trellis. That is, uh, that is toppled over. Yeah. No. I killed two people with a knife. Okay. I killed two people with a knife. Do you know what that takes? It's a lot. Awful. It's terrible. It's awful. Okay. Do you know where the knife is right now? Where? No. Do you have it on you? No. Okay. No. I killed him and I lost it. You think I'm shitting you? You really think I'm shitting you? No, I believe uh, you, Dylan. I believe you. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. No. That is terrible. Terrible. I killed him. Do you know those people, or you just picked that out? Everything comes to an end, right? Everything. I killed two fucking people. I killed them. Can't believe I killed them, but I did. I killed them. I killed them both. It was me. Yeah, there's blood everywhere. There was a fight. It was terrible. What happened? They let you in and you had a fight with them? There are, there are lifeless bodies here. Did you go there with the intention to kill them, Dylan? Oh. Hmm. What, the intention? Oh, I think they're here. I think the cops are here. Okay. They want you to stay on the phone. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, the cops are here. Doug's barking, the cops are here. Okay. <sighs> yeah, they're here. All right. Okay, stay on the phone until I tell you no, it's okay fine. to hang up, okay? The cops are here. They're here. Yeah, no. Oh. Man. 
Uh, Are you still in the doorway? No. Where are you at now? I'm waiting for the cop. I know you're waiting for the cop. I know I'm waiting for the cop. Are you inside or outside? Oh. <sighs> Shit. Who's me? Who's all me? A massacre. Disgusting. No, don't stop. They said no, don't stop. No. No. I saw the knife. I saw the knife months ago. I saw the knife. Oh. Yeah. Hmm. My goodness. The talented boy. Right here. And his sick mother. Oh. There were a ton of people here. There were a ton of people here. When this happened, there were a ton of people there? No. Oh, okay. No. No, there wasn't. <sighs> Come on. This is not a joke. This is not a joke. I'm talking to you. I'm staying on the phone. Yeah, I understand it's not a joke. Yeah. There's nobody here. Yeah. No. Is that your dog that's there? They're here. Yeah, that's, that's the dog. Is it your dog? Do you know what its name is? Uh, it's Daisy. Daisy? Mm-hmm. What type Daisy. of dog is it? Daisy. It's a, it's a black lab. Okay. Where is it at right now? Is it outside or inside? Oh, they're here. All right. Okay. Make sure your hands are visible. I will. If they call you out, okay? Okay. Okay. Make sure your hands are All up right. and visible. You don't... I have a bloody hand. Okay. Make sure they're up and visible. Okay. Go ahead and go out. going on there earlier in the call i mean throughout obviously if you if you're feeling the same way i feel about it the operator herself is obviously she's doing her job but um i try to put myself in the mind of a, of a killer or of a perpetrator most times when i'm doing dark topics say and 
I understood the way he was reacting to her questions where it was like, you're not quite taking this seriously. And you're treating yeah. this like it's like uh, a regular call. And this is not a regular call. And it's almost provoking him to to um, to try to act maybe stranger or try to or or, or it's or it's making him angry. Actually, it's is, is what it's doing. Did you, did you catch that one part where he was like, "No, Dylan, no"? When she let him just talk, or she wasn't even bothering to interact with him at some point, and he started saying, "No, Dylan, no." It was like he was reenacting the crime in his own mind. Yeah. He, Stop, Dylan. Stop. Right. Yeah. Stop. Yeah. No, Dylan. Stop. That was creepy, man. Yeah. That was weird. Yeah. It was interesting because I think, like, if he wasn't completely, like, balls to the wall drunk, I think, I think being drunk, he, it amplified his sense that, uh, that this, that the, the dispatcher was maybe being sarcastic with him or whatever. Cause I noticed his reaction would be very negative when, She'd be like, okay, what's blah, blah, blah. And then he'd answer it and she'd go, okay. And I think in his head, she's he's thinking she's saying like, okay. Like she doesn't like, believe him. Whatever. Yeah, because he kept responding like she was not just affirming yeah. what he had just said, but or, uh, like, yeah, actually. It, and if if he wasn't taking it like she wasn't believing him, she was diminishing the total, like the, 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 the severity. severity of what is going on here. And that was pissing yeah. him off too. Um. Yeah, very interesting call, man. For a moment there, we were really getting insight into the mind. Like we were hearing his internal thoughts because there was no dialogue back and forth when normally there would be. Um, that was that was interesting. And at the end there, hearing him screaming out at the end. Eh? Yeah, he was really. I think he was. He must have been in the c- police car. It sounded pretty muffled, but yeah, he was full blown, like. I've I've often wondered that, like you know, you know how there's there's things that trigger our memories, olfactory responses they call them, where we'll smell something and it res- it takes you back to a moment. Yeah. I wonder how many people, how many prisoners, if you ask them, to to tell you about the cop car when they got put in. I'll bet you, so many of them could tell you every detail because. Yeah. That moment, your mind is just wide open. It's taking in every single thing. All of your senses are on sure. fire because mm-hmm. your life just totally changed. I'll bet you so many of them remember that because the cop car, being in that cop car at the that moment, is just burned. The, yeah, 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 burned into their memory. Well, that's the way memory works. It's it's all about like the way that you take it in. It's it's almost like downloading a file. If it stands out to you, then you'll download it with real clarity. And that's why we can't remember certain things that don't have consequence to us or whatever. But when they happen, we re- we, we, we take in a really clear picture of it. What I wanted to say, too, just going back before we go forward, is when he starts talking about the dog, <clears throat> that lab, Daisy, and you can tell that yeah. he, he feels um, kind of some kind of love towards animals maybe there. I might be going too far with that. But my concern, and I get a lot of shit for this on this podcast of being too hard on the operator, but if you're provoking him or not taking him seriously or not treating them with respect, um, there's there's a chance there that he's killed two people like boom, 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 boom with knives. Like he said, it is a very intense, like very personal style of killing somebody. And he, he even mm-hmm. mentions mm-hmm. that. Very intimate. What's to stop him from showing her that he means business by being like, yeah, well, uh, how about I kill the dog too? You want to hear what it sounds like to hear a dog getting stabbed? Lady who doesn't like understand the severity yeah. of what's going on right here? Like, the, or if there's a child, I always, always think about that on these calls where there's survivors still, mm-hmm. that you got to treat them 
in a way that doesn't provoke them in any way. And she, yeah. in my opinion, she she was provoking him. Maybe she doesn't know it, but obviously with his, the way he was responding, he was getting pissed off <laughs> with it. It's like, hey, lady, I killed two people. I'm telling you about it. I don't have to make this phone call. Oh, there's the dog. Right. Right. Yeah, Matt. Like for a second there, I was like, is he going to kill the dog? Yeah. To prove how serious he is? Yeah. You know, the last two calls we were on, the the operator seemed to shift into just sort of like, almost like, what's your favorite color kind right. of like conversation. Yeah. And, and it seems like, I, I'm sure, I'm sure one of the main reasons they do it is they're taught to keep the caller on the line until the situation is under control in one way or the other, right? Also, if she needs to be, she's front and center if she knows that the situation suddenly changed. Like he says, screw this, I'm getting the knife. Or, oh yeah, well, let's see how your cops like the gun that I... So she needs to be able to update officers on the fly if the situation has changed at all. So I think, yeah, when we're listening to that, it probably, it does. It seems to just kind of drill on the senses like... Oh man, you're killing, you're killing me. That's yeah. a bad pun, but <laughs> bad choice of words. But you know what I mean. It, it, those situations already seem like they're lasting forever, and for the ban- banality of well, the conversation to be exactly, continuing. exactly. I think what what you're getting at there for for me, uh, and we talk when these calls are happening. There for me, it's like, okay, where's the knife? The real question is, do you still have the knife in your hand? Right. Yes. So, so to ask where the knife is, then that throws him off this whole track. Where I was thinking he was going to say something like, "Well, it's still stuck in her chest, right?" And and that puts him in an aggressive mode again. And and yeah. So I think the real question there is like, do you have the knife on you? We're trying to look out for your well-being here, uh, Dylan. How do you spell your name, Dylan? It's Dylan, right? Like Dylan. Dylan. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was a great response. It was like the last guy at the Bamba Lances. Who is this? Why it's Joe. <laughs> How do you spell your name? Dylan, duh. I think what these guys are saying uh, in, in the situations that we're talking about here, though, if I, I was them, it's like, stop asking me questions that piss me off, uh, operator. Yeah. I, I've, I've just killed people. Right. So stop provoking me. I'm trying to be nice here. Don't ask me questions that piss me off. I, I wonder, like, if the dispatcher was to say, well, what do you want to talk about? <laughs> what do you want to talk about then? You know, what do you want? What, like, what's on your mind? That's you passive wanna, you aggressive, want to dialogue though, right? more? See, yeah, see, there are two I, things. Such, just, a, such a hard job. <laughs> well, patronizing, condescending, passive aggressiveness. These type of guys pick up on that with, when it's not even there. So when you're outright doing it to them, in my in my opinion, you're provoking them. If there's anybody left in the house and you're putting them in danger, in this case, you had a dog named Daisy. She eventually finds out, right? But, um, anyways. Anyways, I, I I don't want to be a Monday morning uh, quarterback, but I am on a podcast that has something to do with uh, the calls that I'm listening to, so I'm just trying to uh, to talk about it a little bit. We could just play calls all the time, though, if you want. We can just play the calls, just straight up. Or you could search them and, you know. What, uh, but what would be funny is uh, everyone would listen to the call and then do what we do, which is commentate. <laughs> so Yeah, they would do the same thing. So I think we're all right. Yeah. All right. Well, let me just, uh, I'll, I'll lay some more hot facts on you. And then uh, I do have a, I do have a, uh, a, a happy, happy ending here. Nice. So when the police arrived, they found Mrs. Torrell had been stabbed to death. And Matthew Nagel, Nick's younger brother, had his throat slashed 
Although along the lines of what we discussed at the beginning of the show, I have to believe that with little to no motive for the gruesome murder of two people that he barely knew, that this was probably fueled by his chemical intake, no doubt. Mm -hmm. So, and, and because of that, could you just imagine being in prison later? And, you know, you can tell the guy's kind of got a steely resolve, maybe a higher level of sense of pride or whatever. So just think about, like, how what's his demeanor in prison now? Knowing that he, he had a moment where he allowed himself to be more fallible than normal because of his consumption. He did something that totally upended the rest of his life. Yeah. Now he's got to deal with it, you know? I, I Man. For sure. A hard one. For sure. And then quickly, I want to make something clear. I'm, I, what I said before about cocaine and alcohol, it doesn't cancel it out so you become a sober person again. You're still screwed up. Oh. <laughs> You're still okay. screwed up, man. Darn it. You're just screwed up in I a was different about to, way. <laughs> I was like, man, I should test that out to, you know, nah, see... It doesn't put you back to nothing. Yeah, it's like you blow a alcohol level of perfect zero, mm. but you know your eyes your are behavior. so dilated that your pupils touch your ears. I'm just saying you don't <laughs> act like a slow, like a, a slow moving drunk anymore. You're like you're more of a hyped yeah. up, and you're still screwed up. <laughs> and this okay. is this is not uh, you know out of a medical journal. This is this is personal experience. <laughs> so you know, Doctor Jack, call me on it. But I mean, this is the truth. I'm glad you said that straight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, uh, so Dylan ended up getting convicted on two counts of first-degree murder, and he agreed to a prison sentence of more than 57.5 years. 0.5. In return, yeah, 0.5, because that's important, right? Oh. Uh, in return, the prosecution agreed not to file aggravated murder charges against him and, and seek the death penalty. So they would avoid, he would avoid that. And that was a possibility because he had admitted to killing more than one person. So, because you know, it's crazy when you think about that part of this process where, like, what they admit to versus what they, you know, say that they decline, decline to admit to or confess that there's negotiating tactics, you know, that we're, we're literally negotiating with people's lives. In that way, it's it's surreal. I'm For not sure. saying it's bad. I'm just saying it's it's so surreal. Did we ever find out why he did this, though? Why he... No. No. Okay. No. I'm actually motivated to, like, uh, reach out to him and, you know, see if I could find out why. Tell him, hey, we did a really cool podcast on you and we kind of, you know, yeah. made you look like a fool. You got anything else you want to say? Yeah, Jack was totally <laughs> sticking up for your mindset, like how yeah. cocaine reacts right. to alcohol. And if you let me talk to him, I, I feel like I could do... I can get something out of them for sure. You can be like, hey, man, I know where you're coming from with the Coke and the beer and plus that dispatcher, right? Am I right? Am I right? <laughs> hey, man, but good on you on Daisy, man. I would have thought you would have slit that dog's throat, but you didn't. It's a lab. Labs are good dogs, man. I hear you. You could probably get a confession out mm. of him. Watch, that, that. that's a whole new podcast we have where like you, you're you like the prison whisperer. <laughs> give, me, give me one shot, man. I'm telling you, I could get a little something out of him. There, there's Mind Hunter, and then Jack becomes Mind Fucker. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh man! See, I didn't swear. Yeah, I didn't swear when no, I said that. You're good at that. My mom listens to the show. Mm-hmm. Oh man! Anyway, I'm sweating to death in my hot box here. I'm not hot boxing, mm. but I. This is very hot. It's 82 degrees in here while I while I do this. All right. Well, we don't have any more information here. Horrible call. No. Horrible call. People got stabbed. Yep. And I have a happy ending that um, 
there's going to be very little to talk about afterward. Actually, there's a couple things I'd like to say afterward, but just to everybody get your ears in tune, primed and ready for the biggest Karen you've ever heard. Oh, sweet. <laughs> it's going to be good. You ready for me to, uh, to hit play on this? I'm ready. Here we go. 911 emergency. Yes, I'm taking my picture, uh-huh. and I didn't like it. So there's just somebody taking your picture there? Yes, and I want to press charges against them. I want to um, have them delete the picture or press charges? I'm calling 911. Is he okay? Is the subject still there? Yes, he's right here next to me. And we're at the... And I'm going to press charges. I'm a corporate lawyer, so I know my rights. I don't appreciate him taking my picture. No weapons, no injuries involved, correct, with this argument? Correct. Actually, he says he's on a public sidewalk, that he had his feet on the grass, or he's on a public property. So, unfortunately, I'm very thankful that grass is there. And the subject is standing next to you, correct? Yes, take him away. All right, I did note on here that you wanted to press charges. We do have officers in route. Yeah. All right, man, we're on our way. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs> All right. I, I almost like I, that one almost just went in the waste bin. Yeah. But I thought it was interesting because um, having been a videographer and shot like in look on locations and everything, there are limits. There are limits to what you can shoot. But at the same time, there are limits to uh, the public's influence over your photo, for, right. you know. Uh, so her being a corporate lawyer nah, doesn't mean a thing in this case. It does to her, unless she's well to her. Big deal, though. I mean, take them away. Yeah, <laughs> public rules. Oh, I will say there are some cities where you know they do have certain laws about cell phone coverage, fo- photos, and videos. But for the most part, if you're if that happened in the U.S. Mm, she doesn't have a leg to stand on unless she can prove that he was like taking salacious provocative photos like sali- yeah, salacious photos salacious. of her like upskirts or something like that mm-hmm. what was he taking what what was do you know what what kind of photo he was taking yes yeah he took a picture of her <laughs> <laughs> good good so he just snapped confirmed alright confirmed yeah and you know what he might not even just taken a picture of her Listening to how that Karen responded, he was probably taking a picture of a tree or something else, and she was just in the shot, and she's a corporate lawyer, so she thinks she knows what she's talking about. Well, even if he was taking a picture of her. But she doesn't. It's, it isn't against the law to just take pictures of people, right? Like, just people walking no. along in the street. She no. was Like the you only said, she was time, probably in the picture. She was probably in the picture that he was taking. Yes. The only time that you're required to have a release is if, well, one... If you're taking pictures in a public place to be used for business purposes, you have to get a license to to take those photos. So if I'm going to go down and take marketing shots for a downtown restaurant and you know film on the on the sidewalk and interview people and stuff like that, then I, I need to get a uh, I need to get a release to be able to do that. And Anyone that I talk to for the purposes of that business, I need a model release from them. But if you're just Joe, Joe photo taker and somebody's in your shot, nah. Yeah. No problems. It's pretty presumptuous of her that he was trying to take a picture of her, I'm assuming. It's like, uh, don't flatter yourself, lady. Get yeah. out of my shot, I'm actually. guessing. 
She's probably got that like reverse body dysmorphia where she thinks she's super hot and mm-hmm. but she's just sort of hot. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if there's ever going to come a law in place where it's against the law just to call the police on people for for no good reason. <laughs> and the cops show up and it's like, "Hey, you just wasted our time and now this guy's time." Uh yeah, actually there's a 6 block square in Washington right now where it's uh pretty much illegal to call the police. Yeah, I hear that they got some pretty strict <laughs> rules in there, stricter than the ones they're fighting against. They got a wall and they have a police force and it's kind of ironic. Whatever. A couple of murders in there too. Whatever. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, I've heard some rough things. Well, I'd like to get a hold of some of those 911 calls. Oh, me too. Well, it's not allowed. Because you know people are still calling 911 from in there. You know, so we can keep... We're not even being political right now. We're talking about our, our profession here. Like, totally. hey, people, if you're in Chaz, call 911. Send us the call. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's so funny, Chaz. Chaz is like yeah. the funniest name. Chaz. I know. I would have picked a totally different name because that's the name of like a... A guy who ends up deciding to uh, live on the beach mm-hmm. and get get food stamps, but eats lobster using his food stamp money. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's Ch- Chaz. Did you hear Chaz got his surfboard chewed up by a shark? No. What? I knew that like last week he fell off of a big L wave and he totally like garage sailed all over and like drilled on the coral. I knew that happened, but I didn't hear about surfboard. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> uh, freaking Chaz. Oh, yeah, he built, he, built, he built his own community now. <laughs> People are killing themselves <laughs> in there. You're not allowed to go <laughs> to see if they're There's like carry. a big hall. And an office at the end, and a surfer sitting behind a desk, and a big painted picture of him. <laughs> Just as Chaz. Charles. Charles. Oh, Charles. All right. Oh, well. my gosh. Anyway, that's all I got. So, uh, Good enough. you know what? I feel like I feel like we need to give one more homage to Dog the Bounty Hunter's wife. Let mm, her, Beth. let her, her motto. Beth. Oh, yeah. What's her motto again? Let's leave with that one. Well, she had a few mottos, but the one that always resonated really well with me and everybody that she ever dealt with and got on the right path afterwards was get right or get left. Thank you very much, audience. Hugs. Hey, thanks for listening and supporting this award-winning show, everyone. Have you listened to our other show, Dark Calls, yet? It's the show where we play the calls that are too dark for this show. You've been warned. It's a Patreon-exclusive show, so if that sounds like your cup of tea, or about the price of a cup of tea, you can get that show, live-streaming video chats with Luna and me, plus a bunch of other extra content and features over on Patreon. Search for 1159media on Patreon to access all the extra goodness. The 911 Calls podcast is an 1159media production. Your loved ones would also love this show. You can spread the word and help us to gain even more awards than we already have. So much thanks to you. So many hugs.